Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Pastor opened the service by saying that he was going to lead the music and I was going to preach. And then he said, sorry about that. And so I think he meant he was referring to my preaching for sure. And so anyway, I'm sorry about that too. But thank you for coming tonight to hear a message from God's word, regardless of the fact that I was preaching. I I do want to thank you for that. Uh, But we'll be in Philippians chapter 1 here in just a moment. Before we get there, I want to just kind of give a brief update as to what God is doing in our lives. And uh, I think most of you are aware of this, but our departure date is uh, right around August 16th, most likely. And so we're looking forward to uh, heading up to Quebec at that point to begin our French language school. And I just want to thank you for, for praying for us. All the details have come together with the paperwork uh, for the, my visa and for Katie's visa, and I'm very thankful for that. So at, at this point, we'll be able to take that paperwork in hand to the border and apply for our student visa there uh, since we're USA citizens. And so I'm really, really thankful for how so many people prayed for that, and God answered prayer and allowed that paperwork to come. And so thank you for, for having a part in that. Uh, we've really enjoyed being here for the last six to to seven months uh, as we have come off of deputation. It has been a blessing that God allowed us to be here for the last few months and really enjoyed being able to be a part of the ministry here. And uh, I'm really thankful. I've talked to several missionaries on deputation who went directly from deputation to the field with just a couple of days uh, in between the two. And they have told me not only is that difficult on the family, but it's just difficult uh, all of a sudden going away from your sending church. And so I feel like this time has been a blessing for us to be able to reconnect with you guys. And so now as we are leaving, we've had seven months of time together uh, in between deputation and leaving for language school. And that's not normal, but it's a blessing. So I'm thankful for that. Uh, So at this point, our plans are to come back, return briefly in July 2023, so one year from now, in between language school and heading to the Ivory Coast. So we'll just return briefly, basically enough time to repack and and then head off to the Ivory Coast from there. So we're, we're excited about the next year, but as far as any prayer requests... Uh, our main prayer request right now would be for our family's transition to Quebec. So even though the Ivory Coast is an entirely different country, really Quebec is as well. Even though it's a province of Canada, I've never been to Quebec, I've been to Ontario, but it, it's interesting just to think about, obviously it's a new country, ob- brand new climate, they get 120 inches of snow there every year where we're going to be, and so just a, a ton of snow. Having come from Columbia, South Carolina with half an inch of snow every year, that's going to be completely different for me. And so uh, the climate's different, even the culture, but even the language. So our first Sunday there, we'll be attending a French-speaking uh, church, listening to French preaching. And so to be edified, we'll be tuning into Crossroads once in a while. Uh, but, but still, it's going to be uh, just a total change for us. And so uh, if you can just be praying for our family's transition and for our girls as they go to the daycare there at the Christian Language School as well while we're enrolled in the language school, just a lot of changes all of a sudden there. And so just be praying for us for that. That would be a blessing. And then obviously the, uh, learning the French language itself is going to be uh, quite a task. And so we're just praying that God would help us to learn it quickly and efficiently and be able to uh, acquire as much of knowledge as we possibly can to take with us to the Ivory Coast. We recognize that language learning is a lifelong process, but it sure would be a blessing to get as many tools under our belt as possible in one year uh, so that we can continue to grow and adapt our language uh, once we arrive on the field. Uh, so just a couple of uh, quick updates there. I wanted to kind of let you know uh, what, what we're doing, but I appreciate Pastor giving me the opportunity to preach tonight. 
uh, even though we'll be here just a couple of more Sundays. Next Sunday night, we won't be here. We'll be heading off to BIMI uh, for a departure interview, is what they call it. So finalizing all of our paperwork uh, so that we can leave the country. And so we'll be heading there next weekend. We'll be here in the morning, but not, not the evening. Uh, I did set a stack of prayer cards out there on the back table. We just ordered new prayer cards uh, with a, an updated picture. And so if you would like one of those, feel free to grab one of those. They're, they're on the back table there under the missionary pictures. All right, let's look at Philippians chapter 1. And let's begin reading in verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record. How greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text. Thank you for the meaning of it. And I pray that we would understand it better as we leave this evening. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit and help me to speak clearly and be able to articulate what you have for us. And that we would apply it to our lives and respond to it so that we can continue on uh, serving you faithfully and continue on becoming more like Christ. Lord, thank you for this church, and thank you for the opportunity to preach tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So obviously Paul is the human penman of this book. Uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he is writing these words, and he's really writing a follow-up letter to the church of Philippi. He planted that church in Acts chapter 16, and now he's writing uh, this letter to follow up on them. But as you read through the letter, you notice he, he doesn't really have too many criticisms uh, because this church is doing so well. They are growing, and they're a healthy church, and he's encouraged by them. And that's why he begins with such a personal note here in chapter 1, where he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And he's recognizing this church just encourages my heart. When I planted the church, they got it. They got the message, and they started applying it to their lives. And every time someone talks about them, every time I hear about them, every time I see them, I'm encouraged by how this church is doing. And so you can see that tone throughout the book as Paul is writing, but think of it as a personal letter where Paul is just jotting down some personal thoughts to the church of Philippi. And as they read it, they can be encouraged and they can say, wow, Paul is thanking God for us for what is taking place here in this church. But another theme that you see throughout the book, in addition to a theme of joy that we all know, joy in Christ, but another theme would also be the furtherance of the gospel. It's mentioned numerous times, even here in chapter 1. Chapter 1 and verse 5, it references the fellowship in the gospel. Verse 7, it says the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Down in verse 12, he literally uses that phrase, the furtherance of the gospel. And then verses 17 and 18, he talks about the defense of the gospel and how Christ is preached. And then down in verse 20, he says, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. And then verse 27, he is getting close to the end of chapter 1. Verse 27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together 
for the faith of the gospel. And so right there in chapter 1, without looking any further, we see that as a theme, the furtherance of the gospel, and specifically partnership together to further the gospel. Uh, We'll get to this later, but he references that all the way in chapter 4 as well. A partnership that took place between the local church of Philippi and Paul's ministry so that they could further the gospel together. And so this is really a theme that is seen throughout this book as we read through the book of Philippians. But one more thing that's very important to point out, and that is that this book is written to believers, more specifically to a local church. That might seem obvious, but it's important for us to remember that. Because as we read through this text, uh, sometimes as we read through a book, things can become confusing if we start thinking that they're talking to unbelievers. But if we know they're talking to believers... That makes this so much more clear. And so even in verse 6, when he's talking about the work that God is doing in their life, this would be the work of sanctification. And so knowing that he's talking to believers helps us as we start looking through this text together. But what we're going to focus on in verse, is verses 3 through 8. And really these first few verses of chapter 1 is, is Paul's prayer for the church of Philippi. And he kind of couples these two thoughts together, a little bit of of praise for the church of Philippi, and then also some specific prayer requests. We're going to cut it short and not look at the prayer requests because I feel like there's too much there to cover in one message. So we're just going to look at how Paul is is thanking God for the church of Philippi. We're going to look at the section of his prayer where he's praising God for them and specifically for a couple of requests. As I look through this section, though, I'm overwhelmed with Paul's love for the church of Philippi. It's very obvious that he has a great affection and a love for this church. Obviously, as the church planter, he has this deep in his heart. And so when he hears what God is doing through this church, he's grateful and he's excited about that. It's interesting, even in verse 4, we see that always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy. This is an ongoing joy that's taking place while he's praying. And so he's saying, I'm filled with joy while I pray for you. And then down in verse 8, or verse 7, he says, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. And then verse 8, for God is my record, how greatly I long after you all and the bowels of Jesus Christ. And so he's showing his great affection, his great love for the church of Philippi, having been the church planter, but now following up with them, he's excited to see how they're continuing to grow. Honestly, when I read that, it it convicts me a little bit because it is easy for me to look at local churches and to look at believers with a little bit of a critical spirit in my mind rather than the love and the appreciation, the affection that Paul has for the church of Philippi. Uh, Katie and I have been uh, talking recently, and uh, as we make this transition to the, to the next phase of life, we've talked a little bit about areas in our life uh, that we need to work on. And one area that, that I've been thinking about for me is I, I sometimes have a critical spirit in my mind, a little bit of cynicism that's very deep. And it's interesting to me to, to watch how instead of having appreciation for local churches around the world doing God's work, I start to be critical and start to think, why do they do it that way? And and that's not the way I would do it. So that's just, that's a wrong way. And so therefore they're not accomplishing God's work. Obviously that's, that's kind of harsh to say, make it sound that way, but very deep in my heart, there's sometimes a little bit of a critical spirit rather than the first response, 
being love and affection for fellow believers. And so as I read through this text, my heart was convicted by how much love and affection and gratitude Paul had for the local church of Philippi. Something else that convicted my heart as I read through this text is how he apparently has systematized and regular prayer for the individuals in the church of Philippi. And so he's saying, I thank my God, verse 3, upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy. We can conclude that he has a regular prayer life, and in his regular prayer life, he's praying for the church of Philippi. You know what? That's convicting to my heart, because sometimes I go through my life and I pray for my prayer requests and the things that are going on in my life and all of my things that are going to be uh, coming up, and my transitions, and, and my trials, and I forget to pray for others. And so often I realize everyone else is going through difficult times too. Everyone else is going through transitions, but I haven't been praying for them. And so as I read through this text, it convicted my heart to see how much Paul not only had love for this church, but he prayed regularly for them. We know Paul had trials. We know he had suffering. But in addition to dealing with those difficulties, Paul found the time to pray for others. And he found the time to praise God for others. I'm sure there were things that bothered him about people and things that he wished that he could change about them. But rather than letting that, that eat at his heart, he let the love of Christ flow out of his heart to these people. So that he could go into prayer and he could praise God for them and he could pray for them specifically. And so right here at the beginning, when I read that text, that convicts my heart to see how much love and affection Christ or Paul has for the local church of Philippi. And then how he prays regularly for them and is praising God for them. But as I read through this text, not only do I see the local church of Philippi, but I start to see a little bit of crossroads. And I am so thankful that God has allowed my family to be sent out of this church to be missionaries in the Ivory Coast. It is a blessing. When we think about our church, in a little bit of a, of a way comparative to Paul, upon every remembrance of you, we thank God for you. And it's a blessing for us to be able to be sent out of this church and to be launched from here to go plant a church in the Ivory Coast. That's exciting. But in reality, when I think about Crossroads, when people talk about Crossroads, they'll, they'll ask me sometimes, what's your sending church? Where are you from? And I'll tell them, and I will admit that many people do know about Crossroads. They have maybe have met another missionary from Crossroads. Maybe they've met one of you. Uh, maybe they've met pastor before. It is apparent to me that Crossroads has a good testimony. And that's a blessing. And I'm thankful for that. But it's also apparent to me that as I, as I think about this church, that God has blessed us to be able to be a part of this church. And I'm so grateful for that. And I thank God for that. And so when I also think about the church of right here, Crossroads, in a comparative way to Philippi, I think about what God has enabled Crossroads to be able to do for his glory. So the church of Philippi was apparently making an impact for Christ. They were spreading the gospel. They were partnering with Paul to spread the gospel further than their own city. And Crossroads has done that too. And I'm thankful for that. When I think about the ministry of Crossroads, Pastor mentioned the fabulous fourth. Things that are taking place right here in our county, in our community, to make an impact on others. As we think about the regular soul winning that we did all spring, you know, we were able to knock on almost every door in Columbus. 
that's a lot of people that we talked to, a lot of contacts that were made, people that were saved and people that even came and visited our church. We're thankful for that. But it goes beyond that. We think about the Fabulous Fourth and other outreach opportunities. And then it goes beyond that. We think about the missionaries we're able to partner with and the missionaries that we're able to send out into other parts of the world. And when I think about that, I thank God for our church. And I thank God for what he is doing through the ministries of our church. And so what I'm saying here is that in a similar way to how Paul is filled with gratitude for the church of Philippi, I'm thankful for you. And I'm thankful for what God is enabling us to be a part of here, right here at Crossroads. So the title of the message is just simply this, I thank God for you. I thank God for you. And that's taken from verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. But for what specifically did Paul thank God for the church of Philippi? And what specifically stirs my heart? For Crossroads and why I'm grateful for Crossroads. Well, we see two things in the text this evening. First of all, we see the fellowship in the gospel. And then secondly, we see the furtherance of the gospel. So first, I thank God for you, for your fellowship in the gospel. That's what Paul is saying. Verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel. From the first day until now. In the same way that Paul thanked God for the church of Philippi, I thank God for Crossroads. And I thank God for the fellowship that we were able to have in the gospel and in Christ Jesus. When we think about this fellowship, though, it seems like Paul is referencing some past fellowship first. It's interesting, he says, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. It seems like maybe he's referencing Acts chapter 16 where he planted the church of Philippi and he has a flashback in his mind to the first converts and he's saying from the very first day of this church, I thank God for you. I thank God for for the fellowship that we have been able to have and the key phrases in the gospel. So that brings us to the question, well, what kind of fellowship can we have and, and what determines fellowship and what determines unity? How can we have that as a group of people? Well, we, we can think about this for life. We have a lot of unity that takes place in life already. Think about sports. Think about stadiums that are filled to capacity with people cheering on specific sports teams. I mentioned I was from Columbia, South Carolina. So growing up there, I'm a South Carolina Gamecocks fan. And I was thinking about the Sheelys. The Sheelys are Gamecocks fans too, and I know Brian is. And it's, it's a blessing to have some kindred spirits in the room. You know, but think about that. When you think about sports people and how they can pack a stadium and cheer on a certain team. So what, what's bringing them together? Well, it's that team, right? That's the unifying factor. They may work completely different jobs and live in completely different states, but because they cheer on the same team, that's what, that's what bring, is bringing them together in unity. But the same is for the rest of life. You may, uh, maybe your career that brings you together with people. Your job description or the training that took place to get you to that point, or even just the day-to-day tasks that you do with other individuals at work. It could be family. There's a reason why they're called family reunions, because they come together, and so there's a unifying factor in a family where we all are part of the same family, and that brings us together. So there's numerous things that bring us together, but what Paul is referencing is fellowship in the gospel, a very specific kind of unity. This unity is not nebulous. It's not based on our emotions, 
This unity is simply based on truth, the truth of the gospel. So think about the unity that can take place here in a local church. Rather than sports teams bringing us together, what brings us together here is the gospel. It's Jesus Christ. It's the Bible. It's doctrine. It's truth. So here as a local church, we're gathered because we have the same Savior. He's the Savior of all believers, not just of of us, but he's the Savior of, of all of us. And so therefore, we can be unified in Jesus Christ and in his sacrifice that was made for all of us. We can reminisce together what we were before we had Christ and what we are now. That is unifying, to be able to discuss that together. But another factor that brings us together is the gospel itself, the good news about Jesus Christ. And that same good news, the local church's commission to go and tell other people. That's another reason that brings us together, not just the gospel itself, but the commission to take the gospel. And so we can go together as a local church and take the gospel to others. And then I mentioned the Bible and doctrine and truth. We all have the same book. We have the same truth. And this is unifying. As we meet together, we're not going to have to pick a book off the shelf to talk about, hey, what are we going to talk about tonight? We're all opening the same book. It's the Bible. And we get to discuss truth from this book as we talk about Jesus, as we talk about the gospel and other truth from God's word. This is fellowship in the gospel. And as we think about this, Paul says, I thank God for that, that from the very first day I knew you guys up until now, we have been able to have this fellowship, this fellowship in the gospel. Let's flip over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2. Ephesians 4 and verse 2 says, With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity, there's another word that's key, of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called, and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Back to Philippians. We can see, though, there in Ephesians chapter 4, that a groundwork is being laid for the local church. This is the unity that a local church is built on. It's built on truth, it's built on doctrine, it's built on the Bible, it's built on the gospel, and specifically the person of Jesus Christ. So when we gather together, that unifies us. So we may have differences, in fact, we know we um, cheer on different teams, right? I was trying to find the word cheer on and I was thinking about the word worship, but that would not be the right context. We, we cheer on different teams and we have all these different interests, uh, but when we come together, there's something that's unifying us. And that is Christ. And that's the gospel and the Bible. And these truths that are uh, unifying us together. I mentioned that we're going to Quebec. We're going to be attending a French-speaking church. We're going to be with French-speaking believers in an entirely different culture and climate. We go to the Ivory Coast and it's going to be the same. Another country, another culture, another climate. Different group of people there. But those that we're going to be uh, fellowshipping with that are believers, we're going to be able to have unity with them even though we don't speak the same languages as them yet, because we have the same Savior, because we have the same Bible, because we have the same truth. And because of that, it unifies us together. And so even here in in our local church, we can have this unity. And we thank God for that. We thank God for the fellowship and the gospel that he's enabled us to have. 
not only does Paul reference this past fellowship that began the day they were saved and brought them up to this point from the first day until now is the wording of verse 5, but he also is, is thanking God for the fellowship that they will continue to have. And specifically, he references a promise for the future. And that's found in verse 6. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so this is a unifying promise for all believers. It's still under this category of the fellowship that we have as believers. Well, the reason why I say it's a unifying promise is because it is God's promise saying that he will begin the work of sanctification in each believer's life. From the moment of salvation until the day they die or the rapture takes place, that process of sanctification will be taking place in their life. That's a promise. And the same promise has been given to each of us. So that means that God is working on me to grow me to be more like Christ. And he's working on pastor and he's working on pastor Capel. He's working on the deacons. He's working on all of us to make us more like Jesus Christ. Hey, that's something else that's unifying. Because we can talk about that. And we can talk about what has God been teaching you? How has God been growing you? What are some areas in your life uh, that God has been changing recently? What's God teaching you through his word and through reading of the word and study of the word? Now, those are sometimes awkward questions to ask, but they open up a new depth of fellowship that we can have with our fellow believers. And when we think about this fellowship and the gospel that we have, it really brings us to want to talk about it even more. Uh, not just to stay surface and talk about the Gamecocks, but to talk about some other things, right? There's some deeper concepts in the Christian life than just the, the surfacey things that we end up talking about. And Paul is referencing this unity and this fellowship that the local church of Philippi has. And so what he's talking about is, is fellowship, just in the gospel, and then he's talking about the process of sanctification and really, just for the sake of time, I think we understand uh, what sanctification is. I think we understand that process. It's the process of becoming more like Jesus Christ and less like the world, less like uh, sin, less like the flesh, and more like Christ and more like his holiness. So it's this gradual process that God is working in our heart. And the way that he does that is he takes the word of God and the Holy Spirit convicts our heart as we read the word of God so that we can become more like Christ. It's just an incredible process to be changed into the image of Jesus Christ. And so every day, every week, every month, we ought to be growing to become a little bit more like Jesus Christ as we spend time in the word of God, as we heed the warning of the Holy Spirit and his conviction in our hearts, then we can listen to him and listen to the word and be a doer of the word so that we can become more like Jesus Christ. Uh, it's interesting, though, the process of sanctification does not take place automatically. So God has promised that this would happen, but we still have to cooperate with him. We can't just sit back and let him change us to become more like Jesus without allowing him to do that and without doing our part. And what I mean by that is what I described as reading the word of God, listening to the Holy Spirit of God, and being willing to change to become more like Jesus Christ. And so the process of sanctification truly is cooperation, uh, similar to a tandem bike where there's the, the, the driver who's going to be steering and determining the direction of the bike. 
But the person sitting on the back of the bike, they just have to trust the driver. And then they have to do their part and pedal and lean with the direction of the steering. It's a cooperation that is taking place. I trust that God will do his part. And I cooperate with him to do my part. I allow him to work in me. I allow him to change me by listening to the spirit of God and reading the word of God to become more like Christ. But there is certainty here. Paul says being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so he's really putting the whole picture out here, thanking God for these believers. He says from the first day, that's the the past, the moment of salvation, to now, that's the present, and then he describes the future, and he says he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And he lays it all out, and he says, I thank God for you. I thank God for how he has worked in you, for how he is working in you, and for how he will continue to work in you. And so this first thought here is how Paul is thanking God for the church of Philippi and specifically for their fellowship in the gospel, for their fellowship in the gospel. Then secondly, he thanks God for their furtherance of the gospel, for their furtherance of the gospel. Look at verse 7. It says, Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Back to verse 7, he uses this key phrase in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers. Of my grace. The word partaker here is a very key word. It's one that Paul uses in other uh, epistles as well. He even uses it in Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to look at that here in just a moment. Uh, But it comes from the Greek words soon koinoneo, which just literally means to fellowship together with, or to partake with, or participate with. It's, It's a very powerful term. And Paul continually uses it as he's talking to local churches who have had a part in his ministry. So the church of Philippi was not Paul's sending church. This is a partnering church of Paul. So in Acts chapter 13, we can see that the church of Antioch sent Paul and Barnabas out as missionaries. And so since he was sent out of the church of Antioch, then the church of Antioch would be his sending church. So where does the church of Philippi come in? Well, this would be a supporting church, a partnering church. And he's referencing that even right here in verse 7. They are a partaker of his grace, of my grace. It's interesting to think about that word, though, because as they are a partaker, they have a part in furthering the gospel, and they are participating with Paul as he is furthering the gospel. He also is talking about in his bonds, not just in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, but he also talks about during his trials. And apparently the church of Philippi was a blessing to him in the midst of those difficulties. We see that also in Philippians chapter 4. And again, we'll turn there in just a moment. And so whether it was in Paul's difficulties or whether it was in Paul's ministry of preaching and proclaiming the gospel, the church of Philippi had a part in that. They were partaking of his ministry. So let's flip over to Philippians chapter 4, and let's look at verse 14. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 14. 
Paul, same letter, same audience, the church of Philippi. He says in verse 14, Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. And so in verse 14, he uses the word communicate, and in verse 15, he uses the word communicated. Those two words come from the same word as the word partaker in Philippians 1.7. It's the word soon koinoneo. Those two words put together, to fellowship together with, to partake with, to participate with. And so what Paul is saying again in Philippians 4, 14 and 15, is that the local church of Philippi participated with Paul in his ministry. They were a partner in the ministry, and specifically in verse 15, Paul is telling the church of Philippi, thank you for giving financially to my needs. And so he's saying, thank you for, for partnering with me financially. Back in Philippians 1 and verse 7, he's referencing more of how they partnered with him in furthering the gospel. And so whether it's with furthering the gospel or whether it was with giving financially and taking care of Paul's physical needs, Paul is explaining that the church of Philippi was a partnering church. They participated in Paul's ministry, and he's thanking God for that. And he's saying, I thank my God, not just for your fellowship in the gospel, but for your part in furthering the gospel, whether it was in giving to meet a specific need or whether it was in you helping to further the gospel yourself and your part in that. And so here in verse 7, he is describing them as a partaker of my grace. That's interesting when he says, you are a partaker of my grace. It could be referring back to the moment of salvation. And it could be saying, you're saved, I'm saved, we've both benefited from the grace of God. That's possible. But it's also possible that he is saying, as you partner with me, then you are able to partake of the fruit of my ministry. You're able to benefit from what God is doing through my life. That seems to be consistent with Philippians chapter 4. Because in Philippians chapter 4, it says, not because, this is verse 17, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Well, that fruit would be maybe a church plant, maybe the souls of men, maybe lives changed, maybe answered prayer. This is the fruit of a missionary's life. And as a supporting and a partnering church, the church of Philippi was able to take part in that. They were able to benefit from that fruit. We, don't, we can't even comprehend how this is going to take place. But somehow, one day, we're going to get to heaven and we're going to see an incredible accounting system where God has been keeping track of who partnered with who and who invested in who and who was laying up treasures in heaven and who wasn't. And that's going to be an incredible day to be able to see we took place, we took part in that person's ministry. And therefore, we have fruit that is abounding to our account. Well, I think that's similar to what Paul is saying in Philippians 1.7, where he says, because you helped me to further the gospel, you are a partaker of my grace. You are a partaker of the ministry that I've been able to accomplish. Now, it's a blessing to be able to think about that and how Paul can just sit back and think, 
we were able to plant this church. We were able to see these people saved. We were able to see the, 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 the person's heart changed here. God worked here. He answered prayer here. And then he writes to the church of Philippi, and he says, you had a part in that. Because you were partnering with me. You were partaking with me in what God was doing through my ministry. And so Paul is just filled with gratitude, not only to this church, but to what God is doing through his ministry. And he has a bigger perspective here where he's thinking about eternity and he's thinking about the the eternal fruit that will be a part of the, the church of Philippi one day because of what God has allowed them to do in partnering with the ministry of the Apostle Paul. But it's interesting, not only was this church partnering with Paul, but it also seems like they were sharing the gospel themselves. It seems like they had a part in defending the gospel and in proclaiming the gospel. Uh, And speaking of the church of Philippi, I read a quote this week. It says, every believer in the church of Philippi was a missionary. And it's interesting to think about that, where each of these believers took that responsibility seriously. And they recognized We want to partner with Paul, but we also want to share the gospel. And we want to be faithful in proclaiming the gospel wherever we go. So therefore, after Paul planted the church in Acts 16, he comes back and he follows up with the letter of the Philippians. And he writes this letter, and he's filled with gratitude for what God is doing through this church. Because these people got it. They latched on to what Paul was teaching them. They love the word of God, they love Jesus Christ, and they love telling people about that. And he thanks God for that. And he's thanking God not just for their fellowship in the gospel, but he's thanking God for their furtherance of the gospel as well. And like I said, when I read this text, it encourages my heart. Because it encourages me not only about seeing what this church was able to do, but it encourages me to have Crossroads as our sending church. And I thank God for you. I thank God for your fellowship. I think I came as a student here seven years ago. That's a long time that I've been able to fellowship with you. And I'm thankful for those seven years to be able to rub shoulders with you and to be able to spend time with you. But that fellowship continues on because we're fellow believers in Christ, regardless of what country we happen to be living in at the moment. And it's a blessing to be able to think about that, that fellowship. And I thank God for that, that we can continue to have this relationship with our sending church. But I also thank God for you because you have a heart to further the gospel. And we're not just talking about partnering with missionaries, the ones represented on the back wall. But we're talking about furthering the gospel here too. And we're not just talking about organized events like the Fabulous Fourth. I'm talking about every day. I have talked with each of you enough to see that you have a heart for souls, to hear that you witness to people in your your workplace and to be able to hear how you've been able to share the gospel with people and maybe see people saved or even see people come here to church. That's exciting to me, to be able to hear how God is using you to further the gospel. And because of that, I thank God for you. Now, drop over to Philippians 1 and verse 27. We'll wrap up with looking at this verse. Philippians 1 and verse 27. It's really a powerful verse. And Paul kind of ties these two thoughts together. So under the the thought of fellowship, we saw a lot about unity, right? So there's unity. And then under the, the concept of furthering the gospel, we saw a lot about ministry. Unity and ministry. 
And now he ties those two thoughts together in Philippians 1.27 when he says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together. That's unity, right? Striving together for the faith of the gospel. And that's ministry. And so he's tying these two concepts together, one of unity and one of ministry. And let me just present it to you this way, that ministry is not possible without unity. Or rather, furthering the gospel is not possible without fellowship in the gospel. We as a local church will not be very effective in furthering the gospel and in our ministry endeavors if we don't first have that fellowship in the gospel. Now, we're not just talking about being saved. That's a good start to fellowship. But after salvation, we must continue to maintain that unity in the local church by allowing ourselves to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit of God, by allowing ourselves to be immersed in the word of God and to be changed into the image of the Son of God. As we're doing that, we can grow and become more and more like Jesus Christ. So then we can become more unified as a local church. As we become more unified, then we can work together to further the gospel more effectively. That's really what Philippians 1.27 is saying. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. These two thoughts are not opposite thoughts. He's saying, I thank God for your fellowship in the gospel, and I thank God for your furtherance of the gospel. Because we have fellowship with one another, now we can go out and we can further the gospel together. We can be a light for Christ together as a unified body of believers. Literally, even in uh, the Corinthian epistles, when Paul is talking about the Lord's Supper, which we will be commemorating together next Sunday night, it's interesting, Paul talks about the Lord's table, which is a, a symbol of unity for a local church. People who are right with God, people who are right with each other, and therefore they can get together and they can commemorate the Lord's Supper. That's the context of that passage. And then he says, those people who are getting together to commemorate the Lord's Supper, having been unified, having been right with God, they will be preaching Christ. They will be promoting the gospel. They are showing forth the gospel. The word is show, but it has the idea of preaching Christ. And it's interesting, as a unified body of believers comes together, having been right with God and unified with others, then they can make an impact. Then they can preach the gospel. Then they can show to the world a unified body of believers that is working together to promote the gospel, to further the gospel. So let's think about our church specifically. A few months ago, we were working on the, the mission house roof. And at one point, we were taking a little break, and Pastor and I were standing on the roof. We were just looking out over the church property. We were thinking about our church. And the parking lot was full of a lot of vehicles from men of, of the church that had come to the mission house to work on the, on the roof. And then around lunchtime, a bunch of ladies came from the church to bring a meal, and that was the highlight of the day for sure. And we were able to stop and be able to eat halfway through the day. And it was interesting to think about all these people that had come together from our church, some to work on the roof, some to provide the, to the meal, some doing other random projects around the property. And I think one of us looked at each other and I said to pastor, this just looks really neat, really special to be able to see the local church working together. The parking lot full of all these people working together for one cause. 
When we think about our local church, whether it's the Mission House roof, whether it's the Fabulous Fourth Festival, whether it's sharing the gospel with visitors who come, whether it's taking the gospel to the world through partnering with missionaries, none of these things can be accomplished without fellowship in the gospel, without unity in the gospel. But I thank God for Crossroads that there is fellowship. And all that I pray is that God would continue to maintain the unity that is here at Crossroads. That we would be, continue to, to, to see God at work here. That we would continue to see a, a unified spirit, people in fellowship in the gospel. So that we can see the gospel further right here and around the world. So, as far as application for us, first of all, I think we can be grateful for what God has done through our church. We can look back and we can see, look how God has blessed this church for 12 years. Look how God has worked in this church. And let's look in the present. Let's see how God has brought us through the last couple of years of, of more difficulties and trials. And then let's look towards the, the, the future and think, God is at work. And, and he's bringing us together in a spirit of unity on purpose so that we can continue to serve him faithfully. And so I'm filled with gratitude when I think about Crossroads. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. In the same way that Paul is filled with gratitude for the church of Philippi, I thank God for what he's doing right here at Crossroads. But in addition to that, if we are growing believers, then we should be striving for unity with one another. We should be striving to put aside petty differences and recognize we are one body, unified in doctrine and truth and the word of God and Jesus Christ and the gospel that saved us. So therefore, we can have fellowship with one another. And then finally, we can further the gospel together because of that. We can get together and find opportunities to serve in our community and continue to effectively witness everywhere we go as individuals. And then as a local church, continue to stay faithful and giving to missions and, and partnering with missionaries all around the world so that we can see the gospel not just coming here to Polk County, but all around the world. And so I'm thankful as I look at the church and I see what God has been doing, but I'm excited too, because as we continue to be in fellowship in the gospel, then we can further the gospel effectively. I thank God for you. I thank God for what he's been doing through this church. And I'm excited that even though we'll be here a few more weeks, but once we leave, I'm excited to be able to hear reports of how God is working. And rest assured, we will be praying for you. And I'm excited to, to see how God answers specific prayer requests, how God saves souls and changes lives and uh, opens up different opportunities for ministry right here. And so I want to thank you for your partnership with us, though. Because in a similar way that we have a part in the ministry here well, you have a part in our ministry, whether it's in Quebec or whether it's in the Ivory Coast, no matter where we go, you have a part in that because you have participated. You have partnered with us and sending us out and partnering together for the sake of the gospel. And I want to thank you for that. So one day we'll be able to get to eternity and we'll look back and we'll see God is good. And God worked in incredible ways. And like I said, that incredible accounting system, we're going to look at it and say, we didn't even know we had a part in that ministry. But one day when we get to eternity, we will see that it is worth it. And it will be worth it all when we see Christ for every little bit of fellowship that takes place here and putting up with one another. For every little bit of furthering the gospel together 
it's worth it. Because one day we'll get to eternity and we'll be able to spend eternity with one another. And we'll be able to spend eternity with many others that we have been able to lead to Christ as a result of our effective ministry, whether it's here at Crossroads or around the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for how you are working. Thank you for...